You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. It really was us in that video. I don't even want to like tell you the things that we used to say about parents before we had kids. Um, I know confession's good for the soul, but some of it's really humiliating, so I'm not going to do it this morning. The most common question, especially when I come home to East Lincoln, is, is like, so how's your family? How are your kids? So after seeing that video, uh, they are much better than that. Um, so let me tell you about them. So Celia, uh, my oldest, graduated from college last weekend at High Point University. She is a double major in uh, Spanish and journalism. Uh, she wants to do something with social media. She uh, does not have a job yet, so if you have one for her, if you would let me know, because I would love to put her on your payroll and take it off from mine. <laughs> and the second thing is Addison. Addison's doing really well. Um, he is at UNC Wilmington. He is uh, a rising senior, vice president of his fraternity. Um, he's making great grades for a change, praise the Lord. Um, and uh, he's really motivated to work, um, which is crazy to me. Um, he called me two weeks ago. He's working for a medical manufacturing company right now, and, that's, and so he's staying there through the summer. And so he called me about uh, two months ago, and he says, Dad, I've had it up to here with these people that I work with. And I'm thinking, oh, no, don't lose this job, right? And he said, uh, he said they are lazy. He said, they will not work. All of my co-workers, they want to take smoke breaks and they want to break for this and they want to break for that and they get mad at me because I don't want to break. And he said, they're just so lazy. And I'm thinking to myself, who are you? <laughs> and what have you done with my son? Why have you stolen his phone? You know, it's just amazing how things change. And there is hope. There is hope. That's my message for today. But if we're really honest, I mean, we laugh. But if we're really honest, how many of you with me would say, along the way, whether you're in it or even if you're past it and you're not raising your kids in-house right now, how many of you would say, we struggled? We just struggled as parents. That's most of us in this room. The rest of you are liars. Um, <laughs> But at times, I'll be honest, at times, I didn't just feel like I was struggling. At times, we knew we were failing. We just knew that. It's the way it felt. Matt Walsh, and we put this in your notes, it says this, Parenting is the easiest thing in the world to have an opinion about, but the hardest thing in the world to do. Man, that is so true. It's so true. Looking back, I didn't handle everything the way I wish I had. I didn't do everything that I should have. I didn't say everything the right way. Um, I wish I had, but I hadn't. In fact, it's probably um, the trauma of those moments. But if I scan my memory banks, in my memory banks, the things that come to the forefront, I actually probably have more failures than successes in my mind. I don't know if it's true, but I'll tell you that that's the way that it feels. How many of you, um, if you've been at Grace like for a really long time, you might have known a previous worship pastor long ago, Pastor Mark Nicholson. Anybody know him? So at, his, at the wedding of his son, he, at one point he's, he's doing the ceremony, he speaks to them and he looks at them and he says, 
We just want to say, your mom and I want to say, we are so sorry for the way we parented you. We failed you in so many aspects of life. And then he said, but God has been so gracious to you. And I I know how that felt when he felt that. I thought, I am going to do that when my kids get married because that's the way we felt at that moment, especially. So I want to begin today, and I want to start with this disclaimer. I feel completely unqualified to talk to you about parenting today. When Pastor Farrell called and said, hey, would you like to speak for East Lincoln Campus on Mother's Day? Because some of you may not know this, but my mom attends here and she'll be in the 11 o'clock service today. And I'm like, sure. He says, our topic is on parenting. I'm like, because oh. there's such a, a feeling at times of, man, I don't, we didn't do it right. We didn't do everything right. We weren't perfect parents. We know that. And I've told people many, many times, they talk to us and they say, your kids, your son's so funny, your daughter's so beautiful, they're so smart, all this kind of stuff. And I have one answer to them, and it's consistent. Their mother did an amazing job. Truly. Truly. So now that you've had my disclaimer, why don't we look into God's word this morning and see what he has to say about this whole thing. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is our text this morning. I'm going to read the first nine verses with you, and then we'll, we'll talk. So it says this. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may reverence the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, I don't know how it is for everybody else. I'm just going to tell you that I noticed that my kids didn't always do what I wanted them to do. In fact, if I'm really honest, I've pretty much noticed that people don't always do what I want them to do. Anybody else? And it's okay, kind of, isn't it? I will tell you, I was shocked the first time I realized that not everybody thought the way that I thought. It's true. I mean, you can have your own way of doing things, and that's okay. It's not as good as mine, but you can have your own way of doing things. Right? We say that. We say it's okay to be unique. It's okay to, everybody's different. We all look different. We dress different. We sound different. We think differently. Why? Because we're all unique. Why in the world, as a parent, did I somehow think, though, that that didn't apply to my kids? That my kids had to think the way that I did, and they had to speak the way that I did, and they had to do the things the way that I did them not true we have the ability to be unique and we need to find ways to parent our kids in ways that allow them 
to be unique too. You didn't know this, but I'm going to tell you. The goal of parenting is not to make your own mini-me. Right? The goal of parenting, we put this in your notes, is to teach your children to love God and live their lives in a way that honors Him. Author Ted Tripp says this, the central focus of parenting is the gospel. The gospel is the central focus of our parenting. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Listen, we guard our kids. We protect them from all kinds of stuff. We, let them run with, we don't let them run with scissors, though my mom did. We don't let them sit in the back seat without a car seat, though my dad did. We don't let them do all of these things. In fact, I'm not even sure if my parents love me now that I think about it. No. We do all of these things to guard our kids and to look after them. And, but are we guarding the wellspring of their life? It's one thing to guard their life. It's another thing to guard the thing that will become their life. Right? We've got to guard that. And so that brings us to really our topic today is like, if I'm willing to do that, how do I do it? How do I shepherd my child's heart? And that's what I want to talk to you about today is how do we shepherd our kids' hearts? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there's a book by that title called Shepherding Your Child's Heart. It's a great resource. It was great for us at times as parents. Most of this does not come from that today. We only stole the title, not the material. Just making sure you know. The first thing, if we're going to shepherd our child's heart, is this. Live an authentic faith. Live out an authentic faith. Verse 6 says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. See, they have to be on our hearts first. If it's in my heart, if the commandments of the Lord, if His Word, His principles are in my heart, if I'm passionate about them, if I believe them, if I'm thinking about them, if they're who I am, right, then I will live an authentic faith. So it has to start with us first. If I'm going to share, if I'm going to shepherd my child's heart, it has to begin with my heart first. My heart as a parent, my heart as a believer, my heart as an individual. I have to take it, and if I do that, then I will live out on authentic faith. Now, I know it's been said, and I heard it and knew it long ago, and you've probably heard it said many times, but I'm going to tell you, the more I progressed along the life as a parent, the now today I understand it. It says this, children learn more from who you are than what you teach. They learn more from what we model than what we say. I've read the books. I read the books to learn the right things to do, the right things to say, the right things to teach them, the right way to discipline. I've re- I read all of those things of how to do it. But I've come to this place where I understand that living my faith authentically is much more valuable than teaching my faith repetitively. Do you understand what I'm saying? They learn more by what we, they see us do than what they uh, 
hear from us. I'll give you an example. My dad, my dad loved God. Loved God and loved other people. And in the course of my lifetime before he passed, we had thousands of conversations. Millions of words were exchanged between my dad and I. And I know that somewhere in a lot of those, there was instruction. There was things that he said about faith and about living faith. I know it was in there. Today, I don't remember a lot of those things. I do remember a few things. I do remember my dad always spoke in the third person. Anybody else have somebody who speaks in the third person? Son, daddy's thirsty. Son, get daddy a glass of water, would you please? Son, what'd you do with daddy's hammer? I'm like, is daddy not in the room? Where is this third person? (laughs) With all the things that we talked about, though, I really don't have a lot of memories of the actual things that he said to me about his faith. But I have vivid memories of the way he lived his faith. I would tell you that if we will live our faith authentically, it is incredibly valuable, so much more valuable than we realize. Second way that we shepherd our kids' hearts is to instruct them in the Word of God. Verse 7 says that we're supposed to impress them on your children. Now I'm going to tell you, my mom, my mom is a woman of the Word. All my life, when I was a young boy, she was a teacher in the churches that I grew up in. And when they found out that she was going to teach a class, it was packed. People wanted to hear her teach because not only was she eloquent and could teach well, but she knew the word. Like she knew the word. She knew what it said. And that's one of the things she would do for us as kids. She would tell us what the word says and what it doesn't say. How many of you know there's some things that the word doesn't say? She would teach us what it meant and what it doesn't mean. She would teach us all of that. She would take time to help us with memorization of the word. Now, I'm going to tell you today, I can't remember where most passages are found, but I can quote way more than the average bear because she was big on memorization. And she often wasn't the one who initiated it. She just took what Sunday school teachers and children's church workers did, and she was faithful at home to say hey have you memorized your scripture can i help you memorize your scripture those kind of things why because she was a woman of the word she knew that memorizing it was going to come back to pay off for us one day now i don't think she had a clue at that early age of who i would become today and how valuable the word would be for me but i do think that she understood the word i would tell you that my mom knows not only the truth of the word My mom knows the value of the word. And even more, she knows the power of the word. And so she did what Proverbs 22.6 says, and we put it in your notes. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't turn from it. She believes in this principle. And I said that. She believes in this principle. I'm going to disappoint some of you today. This verse is not a promise. It's a principle. It's not a promise that this will happen, but it is a principle that we can employ, that we can use, that we can use to shepherd our child's heart in a way and trust that God is working. He is always working. I know 
I'm in this room and it's pretty full. I would tell you that somewhere in this room there are parents that you did all the right things. You took your kids to church. You helped them memorize the word. You lived in authentic faith. You were generous. You disciplined your ch- children biblically. You did all those things. And they're not serving Christ today. I get it. I would tell you that I have a sister who's 60 and only in the last few years has she found her own faith. I wish my dad could have seen what he poured in and what he hoped would happen. The principle that he used in our lives, hoping that it would take. But I would also tell you that I have a another sister, and it hasn't taken. And she's almost 70. It's a principle. Here's the thing is, God has given us, mankind, free will. See, at the end of the day, it isn't about what we can teach. It comes to a place where our kids have to make their own choices. Right? And that's why we're trusting the principle. We're trusting what God says. If I do this, I have my best chance at seeing this happen. I would tell you this. I would much rather take this principle and pour it into my kids and trust that it's true than to just back up and say, well, we'll just see how it turns out. I would much rather pour in the word of God to them. I'd much rather love them. I'd much rather be generous and instruct them in what faith looks like and show them what my faith looks like and discipline them and train them in the way that they should than just sit back and somehow think that they'll turn out okay in life. They'll make the right choices. No, we have to employ a principle to give them the chance to make the right choices. And so this is a principle. And I would say if you're in that place, you haven't seen it fulfilled in your family, it's still a principle. It's still true. God is still working and using everything you put into them. Don't you doubt that. I do know that at older stages of a child's life, It's one thing you can tell a kid a certain way to do things when they're seven. It's a whole other way you have to do it when they're 17. And it's a whole other way you have to do it when they're 27 and 37. But I would tell you that if we will sow the word of God into them, if we will find ways to instruct them in the word of God, and I understand you have to be much more sensitive as to how you say it and when you say it and all that kind of stuff. So let me give you something that's not in your notes. This is bonus material only for this campus. John 1.14. It says this. It says that Jesus came and dwelt among us and they beheld his glory and he treated us with truth and grace. I would tell you that as Christ's ambassadors, as his option A for this mankind. This doesn't just work with your kids. It works with your parents. It works with your coworkers. It works with your neighbors. That if we will just do life, dwell among them, right? Not do Christian life, just do life. 
Be real. If we'll live that way, but live it in such a way that we're yet still different. See, they beheld his glory. The question is, are we living our lives? Are we dwelling our lives in a way that people are beholding his glory in us? He gave us the Holy Spirit to live uniquely different, peculiar, powerful, full. If we live that way, and the way we treat them is not the way they've heard other Christians, but we treat them with truth, and we give it with grace. If we do it the way Jesus did it, we are still bringing the word into every age. Not just the little ones, our older ones. Listen, my dad is gone. I am doing my best for my sister who's 70 to live my life in a way that I just do life. But she can't help but see God's glory in me. And I don't fit that mold because what she sees from this Christian is truth. But it's delivered so graciously that you can't even object to it. We can sow the word of God into our family, into our kids of all ages. The third way to shepherd their hearts is this. Invest continually in your relationship with your children. Verse 7 says this, talk about them being the, the instructions. When you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. From this passage we can clearly see that there is an investment of communication and of time. Right? There's this idea that of impressing them and telling them, but it's, but it's over time. It's all in the midst of it. You see this. They're talking. They're sitting together at home. They're doing things. They're going hiking, it says. Right? It's talking about at bedtime. Now, granted, if your kids are 37, don't tuck them in bed. (laughs) But there is this concept of openness late at night. I would tell you the easiest time for me to talk to my mom is late at night. I can call her. She's up. She only sleeps three hours a night. But she's up. There's this idea of talking, and then again early in the morning. So the, the idea is that it's it's the last thing, and it's the first thing. It's all around. It's in the things that we do. I can tell you this. I wish I had done more. I wish I had done more communication and spent more time with my kids when they were younger. In fact, I would tell you, I have yet to meet anyone over the age of 50 who says, I spent way too much time with my kids. Nobody says that. Nobody says it. And I would tell you that at this stage of life, I still try to spend as much time as I can. Listen, phone calls don't come every day. We don't talk to them the first thing they wake up in the morning and the last thing at night anymore. So when my kids call, if we're meeting, I'm probably going to pause it and and just say, hey, how are you? We're going to talk for about a second, and then I'm going to say, listen, I'm in a meeting. Can I call you right back? Right? I'm going to take that moment to communicate and make time. 
but I'm also going to go back around and give them the real time that I want, that I need to. Because we've got to find ways to, to build this, to invest in our relationship with our kids. But whatever you do, however you do it, speak words that build health. That's the first thing. Listen, a lot of times over the years, people would say to you, Paul, you're such a great listener. You're always an encourager. I'm not always confident that my kids would have said that. I'm not. But I have figured this out. It took me a while. Encouragement is ten times more powerful than instruction. One word of encouragement is equal to ten words of instruction. And so I find every opportunity to invest in my kids' relationships today with encouragement. I try to do that with all of my relationships. But the idea is that we're investing. We're trying to find ways to um, speak words that build life and build health into them. So I'm going to tell you this again. Because this applies when they're 7, 17, 27, and when they're 57. Encouragement is 10 times more powerful than instruction. Encouragement is 10 times more valuable than instruction. It's 10 times more life-giving than instruction. And it works at all ages. The next thing is this. Spend time that communicates value. Now, when I grew up, when I was little... I lived in the era of children should be seen and not heard. But I'm going to tell you, that's not, that's not time that's making them feel valuable. So just because they're in your presence, right, doesn't mean that you're speaking value into them. We have to find ways to speak value into and spend time with them in ways that values that. Not just time together, but time that is like focused on them. It's, it's critical that we focus on our kids and that we give them time and we, it, we, they know that they are valuable to us. They are valuable as individuals. But can I give you the other balance to that? Don't do it in such a way that they think that the world revolves around them. Because if we do it that way, when they get old, they will expect the world to revolve around them. You know what I'm saying? How many of you know what I'm saying? How many of you work with somebody who thinks the world revolves around them? Right? That's, that's the reason why. The third thing is this, and it's self-explanatory. Shower them with love. Every way you can think of, shower your kids with love. doesn't matter what their age. It's, it's a timeless uh, practice and it's good for all ages finally the last way to shepherd a child's heart is this train your child through discipline i know some of you are saying whoa wait a minute i thought we were talking about shepherding a child's heart we are we totally are proverbs twenty four fourteen says this punishment for a child is intended to be a heart matter. In fact, it uses the words, it says it's intended to save their soul. 
is what it says. And Proverbs twenty nine fifteen says that correction, it says it imparts wisdom is the terminology that the proverb uses. I know at times I've had parents even say this, but that just doesn't seem nice. Correction and discipline just, just doesn't seem nice. Well, I understand that. But Hebrews 12 addresses that, and it says this, verse 11, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but later it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. How many of you want righteousness and peace for your kids? I'm telling you, we have to do this. I had someone say to me one time, but, but I just love my kids too much. I just love them too much. I can't discipline them or correct them that way. I just can't do that. And my response was, mm. and you have to come back to these verses. Proverbs thirteen twenty four says this, whoever spares correction hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. And Proverbs nineteen eighteen says that goes on to say that there's actually hope found in disciplining our children. And it says that if we don't, that we're, and these are the words it uses, a willing party to their death. Spiritually, and sometimes physically, because they were never pointed in appropriate directions, so their lives spin out of control. And they find themselves doing things and in situations that they never would have otherwise. We have to do our best to provide that type of correction. I know So some of you are saying, so what exactly are you recommending? And you're hoping that I'm going to give you a style or form or format. Nope. Not today. But I'm going to tell you this, that whatever we do, it has to be these three things. Firm, fair, and friendly. But firm, the consequences have to be clearly stated and adhered to... Um, when inappropriate behavior occurs. It has to be fair. The punishment has to fit the crime. And three, friendly. You have to use a friendly but firm communication style when we're doing this. I would tell you this. Some of you are thinking, but my kids are, they don't live at home anymore and we can't really discipline them. No, but you can be a party to their correction. And I would tell you this. The way you do that is by not rushing in to rescue them when the consequences of their choices and the consequences of their lives have led them to do things that you know they shouldn't and it's put them in situations that they shouldn't. Sometimes the Lord is hoping that the consequences of their choice will cause them to lift their heads and find where their help cometh from the hills not where their help cometh from my parents' house. Does that make sense? Sometimes we've done all the right things and they're still choosing directions and living lives in such a way. God uses those at times, but if we rush in to give them the answer and to push them in the right thing and try to tell them and try and help them get out of this or get out of that, I'm not saying don't help your kids or don't do anything. I am saying you need to know is God using their circumstances of their lives to get their attention? 
is he going to send someone across their path, right, that will turn them. And you'll see a harvest of righteousness and peace that you've sown for years. But we sometimes, I couldn't think of the word in the last service, sometimes we helicopter in and we rescue too much. And God is saying, no, I'm in these circumstances. So by allowing the circumstances, we allow God to work. And if we will live a life that they're looking for answers instead of rescues, if they want to figure out how is it that you're so calm, how is it that you made it through this, if they start asking questions instead of for rescue, God uses all of that. He does it for all ages. Listen, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. So just be a real one. Consistently invest in your kids, regardless of how old they are. And if you're like me and you would say, I haven't been a perfect parent, okay. That's okay. It's never too late to begin to do things differently. And you say, but yeah, but you don't understand. The relationship is so tense. The relationship is so strained. The relationship is non-existent. It's so distant. It's you, all of these things. I'm telling you that if you will live an authentic life, if you will find ways to share the concepts, don't, you don't have to beat them over the head with the word. Share the concepts of the word and do it with truth and with grace. If you'll find a way to invest in the relationship as your kids will allow. And if you'll do what you can to assist what God might be doing as correction in their life and allow Him to work in it and pray for them. That's my bonus answer of the day. Pray your brains out. I'm telling you, My dad sewed things. My mom sewed things into some of my siblings. And I am praying my brains out that it will take. We have done it with our own kids. We have not always walked the easiest and the simplest of paths as parents. But I am convinced of this. The father who I turned our, my kids over to and the father who my dad turned myself and my siblings over to is not non-existent. He is not absent. He is fully capable to do amazing things in lives. I'm going to ask that you would all bow your heads with me. While I am here and I am speaking on parenting this morning, the reason I came was not to speak to parents. The reason I came this morning was to pray with parents. 
I've looked across this room and I've watched and I've looked at your eye contact and the way that you guys are looking at me and I can see this desire in the lives of the people here that this is the way that you desire to live. This is the way that you've desired to parent. You know you've not been perfect, but I also can tell in a room this size that there are some of you that you're with me. You're still praying. You're still trying to figure out how you can inspire and impact lives. This morning before I leave here, I want to pray with you because that's the reason that I came. If that's you this morning, you've got someone in your family, someone in your life that you know, you know God is still passionately pursuing but they haven't let him catch up with them yet. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you raise your hand this morning? Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is true. That not only are your promises true, but your principles are true. And God, I'm looking at a room full of people that I believe with all my heart. They're doing what they can to live out these principles that we've just discussed today. They're trying, some of them, to figure out how to do it, not just for little ones, but for older ones. Lord, some of them are in the midst of it. They're trying to deal with the little ones, the middle schoolers, and the high schoolers. Lord, help them. Lord, today I pray over these parents in this room. Lord, I join with them and we pray for their kids, for the salvation of their kids and that they would pursue righteousness and peace. God, I pray that all the things that have been sown into their lives, God, we pray that you would stir up in them. Lord, we pray that you would send people along their paths, that you would use circumstances they find themselves in and you would use, Lord, everything that's been poured into them to speak to their lives. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would draw. Lord, today we trust you. God, help us to figure out how to do these things we've talked about, to live authentically, to impress the word. God, to... Build relationships. Or figure out our role in correction and instruction. God, that we might shepherd the hearts of those that we love the most. God, today I pray this and we pray for their salvation and we pray this in Christ's name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.